Heavenly Father, in your word, you tell us that you have saved us, Lord, to set us free. Not to be a slave anymore, Lord, of fear and, and sin, but to be freed, freed in Jesus. And so, God, we pray that you would free our minds uh, more and more today. Lord, help us to just humble ourselves before you as we hear the encouraging words from Second Peter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my sermon uh, is free because it's like flown out into the abyss, into the you know, outer space electronic world. So we have no sermon notes up here, but you can follow along in various ways. Uh, the outline is printed for you on the bulletin. If you have the Version app, you can open that. The answers are already there. Or just open your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and primarily in the first part. So make sure that you check that out, take notes, you name it, uh, and here we go. So if you're new and you think, man, I'm just coming in in the middle of a sermon series, what in the world is this big silhouette, goofy looking guy? This is supposed to be Goliath, right? So we started a sermon series and we were in 1 Samuel. We still are, but guess what? This is, I'm kind of going rogue here. I did not have a 1 Samuel reading today. Is that all right? Okay. So Goliath, 1 Samuel, we learned that he was this giant of a man from the Philistine army. And for 40 days, 40 days, he every day would come out and yell across the valley to God's people, the Israelite army, and he would say, hey, is anybody man enough to come get me? And every day they'd put their tails between their legs. King, you name it. They're like, I'm not going out there to mess with that guy. How humiliating, right? And it took little David, probably about five, 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 six. He came up and said, you know what? I got this. And the story tells us is that, yeah, he did it with a stone and a slingshot. But he says, I don't come against you with javelin and a sword. I come against you, what? In the name of the Lord, right? In the power of God. And so what we're talking about is everybody has a giant, right? Some of you have multiple giants. Most of us do. It's that one thing. That you're saying, you know what, I just can't shake it. I can't get rid of it. And what we want to ask today is, what is your giant? What is it? I could go through the whole list. Maybe it's greed, anger, fear. A lot of us have that one, right? Lust, losing your cool. Maybe it's judging other people while you drive. Competition in such a way that you start to judge other people and think, I'm better than them at least, right? Maybe yours has to do with food. Any sorts of addictions. You're like, you know what? I tried to fight this when I was a kid, when I got older. And a lot of us will look at our giants and we'll say, I've been trying for all these years and I'm just going to live with it because I'm tired of fighting it. You have one like that? You know what the good news is, is that we're not David and Jesus is in the story. And Jesus is the one who's conquered our giants. And God gives us our reading today. We're going to look at because he specifically does not want us to live under the slavery and the fear of that giant anymore. Today's going to be a practical one. So we just call this everything. Okay. And here's the verse. It's from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's the very first verse in our reading. It says this. His divine power has given us everything. Okay? Can you say everything? Everything, right? Not just some. His divine power, the power that created the universe, that created all of us. Think of that power, right? Unlimited, unleashed power. God's power has given us everything that we need for a godly life 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, right? Some of you are really fighting it right now. You're like, man, I have been struggling my whole life with this depression, this fear, this anxiety, right? These temptations. And, and Peter tells us God has given us everything we need. Now, why is it so important that Peter, of all people, is writing this? If you ever look at the Bible and you ask somebody, hey, if you look at all the characters in the Bible, who are you most like? If you answer Jesus, keep reading. Okay, you, got, you still have some ways to go. But overwhelmingly, most people, even if they're female, they'll say, Peter. Right, Peter. Why? Because he's the man. Right? He has it going on, but you look deeper. If you look deep enough and you start to get to know Peter, you start to realize that he has some issues. Okay? So who is this Peter? Peter basically is one, that, he's a brother of Andrew. Andrew found Jesus. Peter was fishing. He said, went to get his brother. He says, hey, I found the one the prophets talked about. You got to come see him. And as Peter was brought into the 12, he was one of like the three from the inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. And Peter was one of those guys that uh, you loved it because he always got it right the third time. Right? He's the guy that would just say what's on his mind. He spits it out there. Some people like that, right? You you know where he's standing. And he's always bold. But a lot of times he kind of misses the mark. In fact, Jesus actually asked him in Matthew 16. He says, hey, I'm going to ask you guys, who do people say that I am? And some said, well, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And then he looked right at Peter. He says, Peter, who do you say I am? He goes, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Right? And then he goes, On this rock, meaning Peter's name is rock, right? But on this confession, I'm going to build my church. I don't know about you, but if God told me that, I'm going to build that church on Tim. My name, you know, what? what? He might not have got the idea it was on the confession, right? On on that confession. So Peter starts to, to get swelled up, gets excited. And a little bit later in the scripture, Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I need to go do this. And Peter is like, never. And then Jesus is like, no, I got to go. Okay, you don't understand. And then Peter's like, that's it. I'm going with you. And Jesus is like, you know what? You need to get a rudder because I love the strength of your sail, but you're in the wrong direction. Okay, you're, you're doing great, but you've got to find right direction here. Peter, you can't save yourself. You can't go to the cross. You can't do all this. I have to do it. And by the way, you're not even going to make it there because before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. That's exactly what happened. So Peter, here's just three of his that I would say um, were his giants, right? One was pride. And if you have the one of pride, you'll probably have the second one he has as well, insecurities, right? Usually pride comes with insecurity because you, you, if, if you really were secure in that part of your life, you wouldn't have to be prideful. It would just speak for itself. And then the third one is this, ignorance. He had the giant of ignorance. He just didn't know what he didn't know. And how many of us can relate to that? So how did Peter conquer them, right? He could have read all these self-help books and thought, i got to just figure this out on my own. But instead, Peter figured out that God was doing for him what he could not do for himself, right? And so he writes for us in 2 Peter. He writes for us a very linear way of here are the things that you can work on as God works through you to help that giant leave 
help it to be slayed. And here, here's the crazy part. God can change things in an instant, but he often works through a process, right? We see in Scripture where God can all of a sudden just heal somebody in the name of Jesus. Boom, they're healed. And how many times do you come to God and you're like, God, just take this away from me. Take the fear away. Take the anxiety away. Take this addiction away. Help me not to look at things on the computer or the phone that I'm not supposed to. Just take it away. And you know what? God could do it in an instant, but sometimes he works through a process. And so what is God's process? What's God's process of killing a giant? The first one is this. If you guys can go down a little bit, we're going to go. Okay, so it says, so that, here we go. You may participate in his divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. It says, Peter says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Okay, and then we're going to start with this next one. Goodness also add knowledge. Okay, and so this is the first uh, point here. Know who Christ is and what he has done, right? So part of killing this giant is, first of all, to know your place, know who Christ is and what he has done. When I became a Lutheran when I was 12, I learned something really fast. Lutherans are very big on knowledge, right? We have vacation Bible school. We have Sunday school. We have small groups. We, have, we even have schools, pre-K through 12. We love educating people. But knowledge in and of itself will not help your giant be slayed. You have to have specific knowledge, and that's knowledge of who Jesus is. Now, you've got to be cautious here because here's a reason why Peter was writing this. There was a group of people that were lying in the early church, and they were called Gnostics, okay, Gnosticism, okay? Gnosticism had all sorts of different teachings. Uh, part, part of their teachings were that the physical body was bad, and therefore, since the physical body was bad, you didn't have to worry about how you treated it, and you could do all the things that you weren't supposed to do because physical body's bad, right? You could tell how this could be quite appealing. They also taught that there was this secret knowledge that you had to attain, and they could give it to you, but if you had this secret knowledge, then you could attain a better salvation or a greater salvation or you name it, right? All this kind of stuff. And Peter is specifically hitting that saying, there's no secret knowledge here. Where you start when it comes to living a godly life, when these giants are slayed, where you start is knowing who Jesus is and what he has done, right? Because that's where our giant slaying starts at the cross. And so it was his point to say, if you're struggling in life, you come back to the basics. And what do you need to know? You need to know the basics is that Jesus loved you so much. Jesus went to the cross, not Peter, not you, not put your name in. He went to the cross specifically to slay that giant. So you know what? You don't need to be a slave of fear anymore. You don't need to be a slave of anxiety. I have this. When Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, you might have read that, that section of Matthew a few times before, but there's a little part in there I want to point out to you. When he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, what did Jesus say to Peter? Because that's knowledge, right? That's knowledge that he got. Jesus looked at Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this has not been revealed to you by man, but by God. So if you want to start working on that giant, realize that this is all a gift from God. It kind of puts less stress on you. You're like, okay, God, you've given me faith. 
you've done what needs to be done. Now let, let my faith increase. Let me know that you have this, okay? It's time to slay this giant. The next one is this. He, he goes from knowledge, and then he talks about developing self-control in Christ. Now, self-control basically in the Greek sense as he's writing is it's, it's basically this. To have self-control is to not be ruled by a desire, and usually it's a physical desire that you're having, right? To live as one who is self-controlled. That can carry over, though, in, in a lot of part of our lives. Now, the hard part of this is thinking, okay, if I'm supposed to be self-controlled, and I've been trying at this over and over, how come I keep messing up? Well, here's what Peter realized and what Peter knew is self-control, again, comes from the knowledge of the one who is in control, right? The, the greatest fallacy, I think, that we can tell ourselves is that I can do this on my own. I can be self-controlled on my own. And it never starts with us. Some of you are new here, and so this may be uh, new to you, but some of you have heard before. Um, I, I had a huge giant in my life, and it was called alcoholism, okay? Um, I used to love to drink like a fish. I had a kegerator installed in my house, so I never ran out of beer. Um, elders would say, man, we need to go have elders uh, meeting at pastor's house because we're Lutheran. Well, it's been 3,815 days since I've had a drink of alcohol. And you know, that is all God. That is all God, right? And here's why it is. Going through this process, having knowledge, right? I'm telling you, this, this works. Having knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done, having that self-control. Here's how that self-control works. There's three things that I have to realize on a daily basis. I can't, he can, and I think I'll let him. I'm gonna say that again. I can't, he can, and I think I'll let him, okay? You can do that on anything. You wake up with a lot of fear. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to not, not be afraid today. I'm not going to be anxious. And then you realize, I can't do that. I'm naturally drawn to that. I have like this predisposition to fear. And you're like, I can't, he can, I think I'll let him. And the crazy thing is that's self-control, Right? I've been given self-control by the one who can control it. It's crazy how that works. Another one is this, persevering through Christ. Persevering through Christ. You want to see a picture of perseverance on Memorial Day weekend? I want to show you this a picture of a guy named Micah, Micah Henderson. You might have seen this picture. Uh, this month he ran in the Boston Marathon, and he was doing charity and also to, uh, um, in memory of the three brothers that fell on the battlefield and never made it back home. And he started to get cramps at the end, and this is the, the finish after 26.2 miles, and he's uh, trying to crawl, which he did, across the finish line. And he thought, you know what, I'm never going to give up. I'm persevering. I'm going through this because of the memory of my brothers. I'm doing this for them. And they asked him, Lord, they said, or they asked him, they said, hey, whenever you start cramping, when you were hurting, how did you get through it? He said, whenever I would hurt, I would basically repeat to myself the three names of my fallen brothers over and over and over. And that helped him to persevere. And that got me to thinking, someday you're going to get to that finish line, right? And, and someday you're going to get there and all these giants, they're going to stay behind and you're going to be with Jesus. And what, one of the, what, what are the things that we can do to persevere? I believe we can actually start getting scripture into our head and repeating that over 
and over. And I'm telling you, this works. One of my favorite ones that, that I'll do over and over is this, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. The one who called me is faithful, and he will do it. It makes me smile just to say that. Whenever I'm stressed, thinking, you know what, I did it again. I can't kill this giant. You know what? The one who called me is faithful, and he will do it. You know what one I use when I'm in a very stressful situation, like driving through Nebraska with lightning going all around me? I'm thinking, that's it, I'm going to die. I say what the thief on the cross said. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You think this is your last day? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You want to persevere? Get some scripture. Get it today. Get it in your head. And keep repeating it. It's beautiful. And then he goes on. He says, okay, now we're going to pursue godliness through Christ. Right? Pursue godliness. Now, this sounds good to all of us. All these sound good. But you're like, well, how do I do that? Right? Basically, if you don't think God would be into it, you flee from it. Say, Lord, help me to flee from what is not of you. Question for you. What do you pursue on a regular basis? I think if you don't have that answer, ask this. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? What's the second? And what's the third? That's usually what you're going to pursue that day. And it might not be what you want, right? So we pursue godliness and say, Lord, my mind is going crazy already. I'm not even out of bed. Let me spend some time with you. Let me pursue you. Let me see what you have in store, God, not what I have in store today. And then the last one is this, releasing brotherly love. Now, this, this translation says mutual uh, affection, but the word actually is Philadelphia in the Greek phonetically, okay? Brotherly love. And I love that he puts this in here, and, and here's, I've experienced this as well, right? If you have an issue, you have something you can't get out of, and you start pounding yourself, you're like, man, I just, that giant has me again. You know, the, one of the best practical things to do is actually get outside yourself, get on the phone, call and text somebody. Show some brotherly love, right? Say, I might have some issues, but let me call and see how someone else is doing. Now, one of the things you usually find is they're in a whole heap of mess worse than you are, so it makes you feel a little better. It's okay to laugh on that. But you can love them, right? You can get outside yourself and realize, yeah, I got issues. My issues are still going to be there, but I want to call and do what God has designed me to do. Hey, how are you doing with your giant? What are you facing? What's going on in your life today, right? Peter has it all written out here. And here's what, here's what God did to Peter. Peter probably realized when Jesus, when, you know, the dust settled, Jesus is not there. Jesus is dead for three days. Can you imagine what giants were racing in Peter's head? Yeah, I'm prideful, not anymore. Impatient, <laughs> it's over. Ignorant? Yeah, I didn't see that coming. And I thought I had it all figured out, Peter. You know, yeah, I'm not going to deny you, and I did it three times, and Jesus even called me on it. He could have just as well given up. But instead, this list came out of him because Jesus was inside of him. You know what Jesus did? He didn't give up on Peter. It tells us in John 21 that they were out fishing, and Jesus came back, started having breakfast with them, and took Peter aside. He says, Peter, do you love me? And, and as he continued on, he was asking in a deeper way when you look at the language. He says, do you really love me? Do you really love me? And Peter says, yes, I keep telling you I love you. And he says, well, then feed my sheep. I have bigger and better things for you. Don't worry about these giants. Feed my sheep. I have bigger and better things for you. And Jesus is telling you that today. 
You've lived long enough with this giant around your neck telling you that you're not worthy, that you're worse than, that you look at everybody else, and especially on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you name it, oh, look at their lives are so good, mine's terrible. God says, no, you are worthy because Jesus has made you worthy. I got to tell you, we've been praying over a lot of people this week. We have seen, I hope to get some video of this, we've seen a miracle. There's a man this last week collapsed on a ball field, could not get heartbeat, 43 years old, could not even get a heartbeat, right? Nurse there, doing all this stuff. Ambulance, they get a heartbeat for just a few seconds, and then it goes away. I was getting my clothes on, getting ready to come down here. It was either Sunday or Monday night. I forget. I thought, you know what? Um, I want to be with the family because it sounds like he's going to heaven. And you know what? By Wednesday, he opened his eyes. By Friday, they said, hey, you can go ahead and eat again. And his wife was there, and I said, what did they say? He said, man, the heart's all good. They can't find any blockage. They can't figure it out. I said, what about his brain? She said, well, this is the husband that I know. (laughs) He still has to see a neurologist, and we'll see. But I tell you that story to say God is doing miracles, and, and you know what? We see it through prayer. In just a moment here, we're going to have our prayer partners up front here. And what I want to do is give you an opportunity to be a part of the miracles God is doing, right? When God, God brings people to pray with you and for you, he gives you an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to bring my giant up there, and I'm going to see God start to do this miracle, right? Some of you may come up for prayer and you're like, you know what? Uh, I'm just thanking God because he has kept me sober for 10 years. I'm thanking God because he has allowed me to not lose my cool for two weeks, right? We're working on these giants. So when you come forward, right? Either praise God, ask God, but meet with God and allow him to do what only he can do in your life. Today is the day to begin that process.